Welcome back to the Mind Bod Adventure Pod, as Tasha puts it. My name is Jeff Warren. With me today is... I'm Tasha. Yo. My friend Tasha. So our ambition with this podcast, I guess you could call it that, is to... It's really to be part of your daily or weekly meditation practice. Not just the simple close your eyes, go into the internal world kind of practice, uh, which we do do a lot, but also these out in the world practices, communication practices, leadership practices, you name it. This is a place where we can kind of explore this broader understanding of what practice is. Uh, We do it in real time. And then we offer a bit of framing or context or exploration and conversation afterwards around what we're learning from doing that practice. So that's a little bit about what we're trying to do here. Tasha, who is our explorer in residence today? So today, our explorer, I really like that explorer in residence, is Tracy Stanley. She's a longtime student of Tantra and an author. Her latest book is called Radiant Rest, Yoga Nidra for Deep Relaxation and Awakened Clarity. And Tracy teaches a modality called Yoga Nidra one that taps into, you know, really nurturing and creative state of consciousness, kind of between sleep and wake. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, we've explored this before, but not like this at all. So Tracy really comes in and does something super grounding, really gives us permission to let go and rest. And for me personally, as a black woman, you know, speaking to another black woman about the concept of rest and how rest can really be a revolutionary act, you know, to just allow yourself to really let go and to go into the body, the mind, that was really um, healing and beautiful for me. So I love this practice. Yeah, the sanity and empowerment is sort of a big theme in our discussion afterwards as well. You know, I think a lot of people think of rest, oh, it's just like this luxury, but she's like, no, no, no. This is about exploring our sense of safety in the world, our sense of worthiness. It is a longer practice. It's about 20 minutes, and we I think we jump right in after a few minutes. And we finish with a bit of journaling, which is the first time we've done that practice on the podcast. Of course, if you're not in the mood to practice, you're also free to jump ahead to the conversation. So without further ado, here's Tracy Stanley. Welcome, Tracy, to the Consciousness Explorers podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff and Tasha. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here. I know a little bit about the practice you're going to guide, but maybe you could just uh, explain for our listeners what you've chosen to guide us in and and why and anything they need to know about how to approach that. Mm. So the practice I'm going to be guiding is a deep relaxation practice. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because who doesn't need to relax and rest? <laughs> okay. Right? I think all of Pretty us ubiquitous, do. yeah. And that will be followed by a self-inquiry practice. So it would be wonderful if people can gather a journal, a pen, maybe some blankets, pillows. If you happen to be sitting in your office and you're in a chair, just find a way to lean back and relax. So the idea is that you want the body to be completely supported and comfortable. And I guess we should get started. Okay. I've got my fuzziest blanket here. Oh, yeah. The fuzzy blanket is great. Surrounded by fuzz and blankets. So I am so ready for rest. (laughs) Let's do it. So when you feel ready, just allow your eyes to close if that feels comfortable for you. If that doesn't feel comfortable, just soften your gaze and maybe look down at the earth. And let's just start by taking three deep breaths so that we can mark a transition point from wherever it is that we're coming from to where we are right now. So just inhale deeply. Exhale with an audible sigh out. One more time. Inhale deeply. And exhale with an audible sigh out. One more time. Inhale. And exhale. And just begin to notice that your body is breathing and that there is nothing that you need to do or to earn to be worthy of the breath. 
So just allow your awareness to just rest at the opening of the nostrils and feel the moment that the breath enters the nostrils. Feel it riding across the roof of the nostrils and moving into the lungs where the breath dissolves. Notice the pause between the inhale and the exhale and just feel the moment that there's an impulse to release the exhale and let the body release the exhale as you observe the exhale moving out of the body. Just begin to notice the flow of the inhale and the exhale. As you continue to notice the breath and the body breathing, let your awareness rest at the navel center and just notice that when the body receives an inhale, the navel rises. As the body releases the exhale, the navel falls. So just for the next few breaths, just be aware of the navel rising and falling as the body is breathing. Just become aware of the space that your body is occupying. The inner space of the body. From the top of the head to the tip of the toes. And then back from the tip of the toes to the top of the head. Become aware of the space outside of the body. And in that space outside of the body, feel as though you could draw a circle of light. A circle of energetic protection around the body. Allow your body to soften if that feels comfortable and become aware of the earth beneath you. So feel and sense the support of whatever it is that you are sitting or lying on and feel the earth beneath that. Notice how when the body receives an inhale, the earth rises up to hold and cradle the body. As the body exhales, it softens into that trustful hold of the earth. So for the next five breaths, just feel the earth rising and the body softening. Now, beginning with the number 27, begin to count your exhales backwards. 
Each time you count down a number, you release a layer of physical constriction and tension and a layer of thought. By the time you get to zero, the mind and the body are completely free. If you lose your place in the counting, you start back again at 27. Now, wherever you are in the counting, just let it go. Let go of breathing from your personality. Remember that part of you that was there when the universe was created. Let the center of your forehead soften. Eyes and eyebrows relax. Temples and cheeks relax. Jaw relax. Throat. Shoulders. Upper arms, elbows, lower arms, wrists, hands, fingers. Feel the breath moving through the fingertips for three breaths. Wrists relax, elbows, shoulders, throat center, heart center. Feel the breath moving from the heart center in and out three times. Navel center, pelvic center, hips relax, upper legs relax, knees, lower legs, heels, soles of the feet. Tops of the feet, toes, tips of the toes, feel the breath moving 
through the tips of the toes for the next three breaths. Now just be aware of the whole body effortlessly breathing, resting. Just allow yourself to be. I remember that you have a body and that body is breathing. Begin to slowly deepen your breath. If it feels comfortable, you can continue to keep your eyes closed and just to let your awareness rest at your heart center. So the spiritual heart at the center of the chest, behind the sternum. Feel as though your next inhales and exhales are just moving in that space. So it's as though the heart space itself is breathing. And so in a moment, we will begin the practice of writing. So just allow yourself to receive this inquiry at the level of the heart. What habits, thoughts, or resistance prevent you from fully dropping in and receiving the gift of rest? What habits, thoughts, or resistance prevent you from fully dropping in to receive the gift of rest? Just begin to open your eyes and free write as fast as you can. So don't worry about sentence structure or spelling and just let it flow from your pen for the next minute. Just another 30 seconds. And then just close your eyes for another moment or two and bring your awareness back to the heart space and receive this next inquiry. Who, if anyone, modeled how to rest and practice self-care and self-love for you? Who, if anyone, modeled how to rest and practice self-care and self-love for you? Just begin writing when you're ready. One minute.
And then to receive the last inquiry. And if you're writing and in flow, just keep writing. You can pause and then continue with the next question when you're done. So just receive this inquiry at the level of the heart. If part of your legacy were to change the relationship to rest and self-care for your family lineage, how would you begin? If part of your legacy were to change the relationship to rest and self-care for your family lineage, how would you begin? Just take one minute to write that answer. And just take another moment to just close your eyes. Feel into the space of the heart again. And this is a contemplation that you can carry with you throughout the day. Who was the one who was resting? Who is the one who was resting? When you feel ready to come back, please bring your hands together and just briskly rub them so they start to get warm. And then slowly just give yourself a a little massage, just anywhere on your body where you would like to anoint yourself, bless yourself, honor yourself. Just massage yourself back into the waking state. And then just bring your hands over your eyes if it feels comfortable for you. And inhale, draw in that warmth through the eyes. Feel it moving into the brain. And feel and sense it like blue-gray healing, cooling light just mapping out through the entire nervous system. All the way down to the toes. And then when you feel ready, just slowly Begin to open the eyes and come back into the space. Okay. (laughs) My thoughts exactly. I'm so moved by that practice. Mm. Why? It's like giving ourselves just permission. It was like the entire practice was a practice of learning to give permission, feeling safe. You know, I've done meditation before where you feel the ground supporting you or feeling the earth come up to meet you. But sometimes in practice it feels rote or like the person guiding may not even feel the earth supporting them and even though they're trying to guide you in it. But I felt really, really held in this practice and it just allowed my nervous system to finally let go, to just allow. And that's... This can be something that's very, very difficult when we have nervous systems that are constantly kind of cramped up trying to protect ourselves and heal ourselves or keeping ourselves separate from the outer environment or something. So that just, yeah, it's very transformative. It's kind of like beyond words. I'm so glad to hear that it resonated with you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Oh, I second everything Tasha just said. Um yeah. Every time I enter into a rest practice that's really guided by someone who walks the talk, I r- remember, oh, really? This is the only practice I should. This is the yeah, most important that's it. practice. That's exactly it. You know, and yeah, so right away felt very um, comfortable with your pacing and really trusted the the framing. And then I really... Then I was kind of amazed. There's so many great prompts, but the one about counting back from 27, uh, which I love the specificity of that. And and I'm always amazed at how this happens. You know, I thought I was relaxed at the beginning mm-hmm. of that count. 
And yet I internalized your suggestion, which felt almost like a hypnotic induction. And sure enough, with every breath down, I genuinely felt more relaxed. And I'm, and I was mm-hmm. like wondering who's doing this? <laughs> Cause I wasn't <laughs> doing anything to make that happen. It was like, it was like you made the suggestion and then the body mind just sort of took care of itself or the body. And I could literally feel layers coming off. And mm-hmm. it's a familiar experience from meditation where I realize, oh, wow, I thought I was just sitting and being open and resting, but actually I'm just in this slightly uptight thing. And so I start to breathe out some of the tightness and it just keeps coming. <laughs> it's like uptightness all the way down. What's the, forget turtles. I got my nervous system is like, <laughs> it's like, it's like held its breath a billion times and mm-hmm. it's braced for life a billion times. And it's had so many layers of trauma and suspicion and hurt and mm-hmm. like physical injury in my part, you mm-hmm. know, broken neck, mm-hmm. broken shoulder, broken. I mean, it just goes on and on clavicle. Like I've had every possible injury and it's all in the nervous system. And Mm -hmm. so I could feel layer after layer, like letting go, letting go. And sometimes the letting go was accompanied by a feeling of like a shaky feeling of gratitude. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. I wanted just to be like, I wanted to like make a mewling sound like a, (laughs) some kind of animal. (laughs) And, uh, and then I didn't even know where I was. And he said, I'll just let go anyway. And it was like, who is, who is this person now sitting here in this, place and then of course the cue around you just let the breath do itself and it's like you were at the very beginning or I don't know how you put it there was some way you put it where I felt like that I felt like it was like empty beautiful yeah there was one thing at the end of the 27 breaths which I totally had the same experience I got to 13 by the way (laughs) (laughs) I got to 10 and then accidentally I started counting upward again and I was like we're not going in that direction um but at the end of it, you said, stop breathing from a personality or from your personality. Yeah, let go of breathing from your personality. Yeah. And that was like the trigger for me. I was like, I, I realized that, you know, over the course of those 17 counts, I had been shedding these layers of controlling this from this personality. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of mm-hmm. felt like I was witnessing. And it was incredible how differently I was breathing without that control. You know, it was like yeah. my breaths were actually quite a lot shallower. They were coming and going kind of sometimes fast, sometimes slow, but it was just so authentic and no need to change it at all. And I had this mental vision, actually. I was like, what is this like? And, you know, because mental chatter is still kind of happening, but it's mm-hmm. not interfering. And I had this vision that my mental chatter was kind of like seagulls flying over a body of water and the breath was just rolling waves on the ocean like of course I couldn't control that (laughs) why would I try it's really kind of beautiful beautiful that's an amazing image love that what's your intention when you guide that for people when you when you give offer those kinds of prompts I'm just curious how you think of this as a guide or a teacher what what are you hoping for for the people who are following your practice Mm. I'm really hoping for awakened clarity. You know, we're we're fortunate the three of us right now talking on about this practice and how we received it and how we do receive practices like this because we have a practice of meditation you're both seasoned practitioners. But most of us have so many resistances and traumas as you mentioned and layers of things that have happened over a lifetime that we aren't aware of, we aren't conscious of, and we haven't dived in or had an opportunity to look at that in any way, whether it's in therapy, Mm -hmm. whether it's through an epiphany that comes through yoga practice or through meditation. And so for me, it's really exactly what you said is that you know, the first time that I did the practice of deep resting or yoga nidra, I had the same experience of, oh, I thought I was rested. But oh, what I'm realizing is that this thought or this experience is weighing on me and it's disturbing my ability to be able to rest. And oh, when I dig even deeper, I actually realize that I have 
some beliefs about whether is it safe to rest? Mm -hmm. What is the world outside actually reflecting back to me about my worthiness to rest? Wow. My fear of being labeled as a Black woman as mm. being lazy mm -hmm. because I'm resting. Mm. You know, my ability to reclaim what is all of our birthrights, right, is to be able to rest and to thrive in that resting. So the reason for me teaching these practices is so that we can reclaim that birthright. And the reason why I always offer self-inquiry after resting is exactly what you said, Tasha, is that you were able to release part of the personality and move more into an authentic flow of who you really are. And I think that when we're in that space and we can write and journal from that space and create also as a writer, create from that space, what flows forth is something from the true self. Because these practices of rest and yoga nidra, they can help you to fall asleep to the ego and to awaken to that part of you that is eternal, that is authentic, that is unconditionally held and worthy without having to earn anything. So that's why. It's funny that you use the word earn because in the journal prompts, the first, well, the first question is, you know, what are the habits of thought pattern or whatever that keep you from feeling like you can rest? And the first thing that came out was, I often feel like I haven't earned it. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I want to take a bubble bath, but okay, how much did I do today? Could I squeeze something out of this one last hour before I finally earned this rest? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's been something I've been trying to fill my Instagram feed with people who mirror that, you know, that's why I love your account. And the nap ministry is another one of those where it's just black women being like, it's okay. It's okay to take a nap in the middle of the day. You don't need to earn that. If you right. want that, you need that, just take it, you know? And that has been so transformative, just being like, why do I feel like I need to earn it or that I, I have to prove to someone or to myself that it's okay to just, you know, take what the human body needs? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a place that we all are in. You know, we can thank the invention of the light bulb for that, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like the invention of the light bulb just extended the workday mm -hmm. and it extended our ability to be able to be productive and to mm -hmm. earn, right? And then, you know, we can also add in the American dream of you have to work, 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 work until you achieve X, Y, and Z, and yeah. then you can rest, yeah. right? And is that even really true? For most people, no. So you can work yourself then into the grave. Yeah. Yeah. And that ties into the last prompt, which was, you know, who has modeled rest for you? And for most of us, kind of nobody. You know, <laughs> What we've had modeled for us is how to work harder, how to be better, how to achieve, you know, which are all really great parts of us. I think, you know, all of us trying to do really great things, you know, as teachers or for community or whatever, all these things are really amazing. But who has ever modeled for us like, that's no, okay, take a day off, work a little less, you know? That was mm -hmm. really impactful to me. I was like, I don't, I don't think I had that modeled for me until I did my yoga nidra teacher training, actually. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quite late into adulthood. I mean, I think the, the piece around feeling like we haven't earned this right to rest, so that's always there. The crazy thing is that's mm -hmm. there all the time. And what is the cumulative impact of that belief? You know, it's very profound that that is what so many of us are sitting with and the, the suffering that emerges from that. So I really hear you about how transformative and empowering this is and how important this practice is. And I, so I found the prompts, I found the, the practice of getting more settled and then from that settled space writing from that place, it's absolutely, it's a superb way to begin uh, a journaling practice. And journaling itself as a practice is a lot like, you know, you can really see the equanimity of it, especially in your prompts around, just let it flow, just let it come, mm -hmm. whatever comes. It's like this sort of expressive allowing that allows you to get in touch with some of those layers. So I could feel in the writing, I was noticing the layers, like for me, the layer of like, I haven't earned it. It's more like, I have to collect this experience. I can't mm -hmm. let down my guard. 
I have to notice what's happening. You know, I have to, there's somehow there's a work even in the rest. Mm-hmm. And so seeing that layer and then noticing. It's like the mental equivalent of being at a concert and feeling like you need to videotape it on your phone. You know, like, I got to collect this all. I gotta <laughs> totally. <laughs> Instead of just being there for it. It's like, this has to stop. Collect it. Uh, um, but then the, we said before about the layers, you know, I could feel this sort of vibrating hypervigilance that's in my mm-hmm. nervous system um, mm-hmm. that is l- very hard to let go of. You know, it's sort of like there's nothing I can do to let it go. I have to really let it truly be, actually. Mm-hmm. And in the letting it be, then maybe the the healing can begin. But I see when I do practices like that, I can see there's more healing that is needed. <laughs> Yeah, um, And I wonder if you have any thoughts about that, because I'm sure there were a lot of people who didn't feel they were able to get rest or felt the, the agitation or the thinking or feelings were coming in between. So anything you, you suggest for that or what you or how you support people in that? Yeah, I think that that is the case for a lot of us, that it doesn't feel safe to relax. I write about this in my book, Radiant Rest, is what does it really mean to relax? Because often teachers will kind of throw out these, oh, just relax, just let go, just surrender, as though it's like the easiest thing in the world. And the fact is, is that many times we don't feel safe, which is one of the reasons why I bring in the energetic circles of protection. Um, when we do a longer, fuller practice, we actually bring in three different circles of protection. And that is something that I noticed specifically during the period of um, the beginning of the pandemic and kind of throughout, Mm. that people who previously were having trouble letting go, surrendering just even a little, even to get to the point to notice that there's this vibration of something you called yours, hypervigilance, everyone will have a name for it. It allowed them to get to the point where they could notice that, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to it just being like, oh, I'm moving in my body and I can't get comfortable and I don't like this practice. It's like, oh, I actually got still enough to recognize that there is this hypervigilance. And it's quite possible that at some point in our life, hypervigilance kept us safe, I know for Mm -hmm. me it did, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And so now we get to explore and inquire more, especially through prompts and the journaling and free writing afterwards to even say, oh, it's maybe time for me to be supported by a therapist, somebody Mm -hmm. who understands. And I always have a list of therapists on hand for all of my students and people Mm -hmm. who study with me. And they're usually people who actually have trained in yoga nidra and rest practices and they're also psychotherapists Mm -hmm. or psychologists so they actually have a deep understanding of what comes up when we teach these practices which can very well be trauma so what i recommend for people is first of all deciding for yourself is it safe to actually lie down because that's a very vulnerable position and that there's more than one way to do these rest practices, you can do these practices with eyes open. You can do these practices with a trusted person or a trusted pet in the room, but it's for all of us to kind of figure out what is it that's going to make me feel comfortable and safe. And it doesn't really matter what the instruction of the teacher is because they don't know what's happening in my body. That's another tough one because people also people also want to try and please the teacher, right? They want to be the good student. That's right. That's right. And so it's up to the teacher to give agency. And you used the word earlier, permission. And I think the other word that came forward was allow to be who you are and know that if at any time the practice feels uncomfortable, that you can open your eyes that you can stop, that you can start to journal, right? And so I think we really need to try to make practices more accessible for people, knowing that not everyone's going to lay down and go into bliss. I I had a a question for you, and it was uh, related to one of your prompts, the inquiry prompts around who has modeled this for you. And at first for me, it was like, oh, nobody 
definitely not my mom. Is <laughs> very never gives herself a chance to rest. But then I thought about it and I realized my my father does in a way, but it's a it's different. And I, this is the question for him. He is somebody who's just content in himself and enjoys work. He likes to get into the flow of carpentry or whatever he's doing. And he's a good, he's kind of an engineer builder type. And from the time I was really young, I could recognize that actually this was a kind of rest for him. He'd go down to a new shop with the smell of the sawdust and the wood and he'd work the tools. And, and there was a kind of engaged flow that he would get in that was very restful. And then he'd go back and then he'd read his book and, to think about him doing a more active laying down, it would he would never do it. And yet he is a very rested person. So I guess I'm wondering, is that different than the state of rest that you talk about? And if so, how and why is it important to understand? Or is it just a similar thing in a different mode? Yeah, I feel like it's a gradation. It feels to me like when you're talking about it, just the way that your voice changed to me, sounded like this sweetness mm. in the memory of that. And in that sweetness, what I was hearing and feeling was that his work, quote unquote, was dharmic. It was dharma. It was passion. It was love. And that somehow it seems in the way you described it, that he had this intuitive knowing of the flow of when to do his creative carpentry and be in that flow and when to pause and then to read. And probably I'd, I'd love to know like when he would go to sleep and how he would sleep. And so I feel like there's an intuitive flow of somebody who's connected to their own internal rhythms and the cycles. Was he somebody who was connected to nature at all? Yeah. Yeah, he was. And I mean, all those things, and he slept well and, and still does. <laughs> You know, but I guess yeah. the only the thing I would say is, so there is a definite sense in which he un implicitly understands self-care, although he would never use the language or even think mm -hmm. that he needed it. And yet, if I'm honest, his own self-containment is sometimes problematic. Like there's not a lot of compassion for others or even awareness of others. He's in this sort of bubble. Um, maybe that's okay. I don't know. Um, anyway, it's weird that we're talking about it, but just suddenly <laughs> is where we arrived at. Um, but I, maybe people will relate to that too, because there is a kind of, I think a belief sometimes when people hear about the self-care and I know this is very false and we can unpack how it's false, but the sense of there's something in my, my dad's case, like he's not aware of others and he will do it regardless of what other people may have needs around them. So there's something about that, that is actually a little bit selfish and yet it did model something so important for me. So I'm just wrestling with this question. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a beautiful question and hard for me to speak on without actually kind of seeing the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. And of course, I'm not a, a therapist either. But what I can say is, is that if we can look at where, because yeah, this word self-care was definitely not around when we were growing up. But what I remember from my own father was that he would say, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man <laughs> healthy, wealthy, and wise. And he would go to bed every night at nine o'clock, and he would wake up before the sun rose. And that was, his, that was his flow. And he would make sure that we were up before the sunrise and that we were <laughs> in bed early in bed at nine. <laughs> and not allowed to go out or do anything. You know, at first I was really resentful of that. You know, you don't have a social life. You don't, you know, drink alcohol. You don't do any of the things that I see my other friends' parents doing. But yet that kind of rest that he gave himself allowed him to be more productive. Mm -hmm. And he understood what his flow was. And I, it's something that I have as well. It's like, I, I don't go out at night. I'm in bed sleeping by 10. I'm awake before the sun rises. And I think in the beginning, that was something that I did as a good daughter, right? Because I wanted to emulate my dad. And then at some point I was like, oh, let me find my own flow. Let me find my own way of being creative. And I do think that... If 
I was not communicative with my partner about my needs for creativity. So when I wrote my last book, I was very clear with him. These are my hours of creativity. Once the sun is high in the sky, that's where my brain is most active. And that's when I can go into research mode and I can read and do all. But if I'm downloading, I need to be left alone. <laughs> like literally, don't call me unless, you know, there's that's a, a hard one to ask dire for. <laughs> emergency. Don't come looking for me, you know, until 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And the fact that I communicated that to him was really powerful because he said, okay, I get it. I understand. I'm not going to bother you. And so I literally went downstairs and I was alone for hours every single day for, you know, the six months it took me to write the book. And he honored that. So I think that there's also a lack of communication mm -hmm. around our needs and what we need to thrive and to feel whole can also seem like selfishness if it's not expressed and if it's not talked about. Yeah, 100%. That's so important because if you can communicate what you need, then the people in your orbit can do the same. And then you can mm -hmm. distribute tasks through the collective nervous system. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to have the expectation that you need to do everything all the time or they need to do everything all the time. It's like there's a clear sharing about what you can and can't do and what you need and your boundaries, and that's able to then let the, the whole thing function. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you don't have Absolutely. that, it's dysfunction. It's people fighting for their time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think we think of it that way, that, you know, for me to take what I need and to communicate that to you, on the surface feels like I'm being selfish, but really I'm giving you permission to do the same. I'm setting up an environment where we're all able to, to get what we need and to ask each yeah. other for it. And, and you're also able to give yourself a different lens when you have maybe a partner that's not as communicative, but you start to notice what their flow is. Like my husband, he has a whole routine he does in the morning where he, it's like, I think of it as a big, long transition. So I know I'm not going to ask you anything important. I'm actually going to also let you have your space to do your thing. He's got to get out and hike. He's got to do something with the dog. Then he has another little routine. And then it's like, oh, okay, he's landed. He's mm -hmm. landed fully in his body, in his mind where he's ready to engage. Mm -hmm. And if I were pushing on that, because I've had relationships before where there were partners who had transition time and I didn't honor that transition time mm -hmm. because I wasn't aware. And when I didn't honor that transition time and I didn't see the flow of where they were, it always caused conflict. And yeah. then I became the one who was selfish because I wasn't aware enough to honor and respect their transition space. Mm -hmm. That's huge. It's so huge. <laughs> I mean, it's all about consciousness, it's bringing yeah. awareness to these different parts of your life and then being able to communicate from there. Yeah. And that starts by slowing down enough to even be able to see those. Well, I wonder if this yeah. plays into your very last prompt, which I was thinking a lot about as a father, you know, which was how do we create this legacy in, in your family of the need to care for ourselves as well as for others? I'm curious what your advice is here. Yeah. I mean, my advice is model that we are worthy of resting, model that we can have agency and ask for what we need in a compassionate way so that your kids know what they need. You know, it's interesting when you have kids in the house, they're watching what you're doing. And I remember my stepson who's been watching me meditate and rest, and he's got this very like anarchist, ironic personality. And when he was a teenager, one of his friends had just broken up with his girlfriend. And he called me and he said, I need you. And I was like, what, 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 I'm needed <laughs> all of a sudden? He's like, what? he's like, my friend, so-and-so, he just broke up with his girlfriend and I really think he needs yoga nidra. Can you do a private yoga nidra class with him? And I was like, oh. So this entire time 
you've been absorbing mm. watching me rest mm -hmm. and you've been absorbing how am I after I come out of a rest practice versus how I am before I am in a rest practice. Mm. You've been watching. So all you have to do is take care of yourself, invite them in to yeah. rest with you if, if they're young enough, because the little ones really love it. That's beautiful. Yeah, I was just also thinking about he, I mean, he's only two and a half, so, but those things are being modeled. But one of the things he loves is we'll do a Shabbat dinner. My, my wife's Jewish, and, and so my son is too. <laughs> so we do these Shabbat dinners and where we sing these songs and hold hands and light the candles, and he gets very, very, very quiet mm. because the whole energy changes. It becomes this sort of like ritual space, ceremony space, and he could just, and it's that oh, is, so get, cool. after that, Sarah and I are always just like, oh, wow, we have to do more of this because he is just, what's happening mm. here? You know, mm, he knows something special. Mm -hmm. He knows something special. Well, yeah. well, I wish we could keep talking and practicing all day long, <laughs> but we will let you go. But before you go, can you share how are some ways that our listeners or anybody can connect with you, learn from you, practice with you? Mm. So if you want to practice with me, I do have a course on commune uh, that's a deep relaxation course, and it's, it's really more of an experience than it is a course. So it's five practices, and um, I believe if you sign up, you can get them for free for 14 days, so you can check it out there. You can also check out my website, tracyyoga.com. I train teachers in this practice of deep rest and yoga nidra, and that pretty much has everything you need to know. My podcast, my book, Radiant Rest, my community of the Empowered Life Circle, where we do monthly practices and we have guest teachers and we rest together. So that's Wonderful. pretty much it. <laughs> awesome. We will include all of those links on the site. As Thank well, so you. People can find them. Tracy Stanley, it's been a real pleasure to uh, practice with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been an honor to be with you. I appreciate <laughs> you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Consciousness Explorers podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like this episode, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. See you next week for a whole new adventure. 